0: The latest this is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news movie trends and movie releases this week we have a a kaiju sized episode um tackling godzilla and king kong if you are unaware there is a godzilla versus kong did i get the title right it's godzilla versus kong it is Godzilla it- versus
1: Kong, but the first time they met up in the sixties it was King Kong versus Godzilla. so I feel yes like them up too <laughs> yes
0: i keep I keep calling it King Kong versus Godzilla because I'm just so used to like that title as a kid, yeah, but um, on this episode, I'm very welcome to have back on the podcast film inquiry writer Lee Jutton Lee. thank you so much for hopping on this week's episode to discuss these two. Titanic size movie monsters that we have now seen clash on screen once again?
1: Of course. Of course. I'm I'm always, you know, overjoyed to talk about gigantic movie monsters.
0: So, let's probably first start by giving some of your thoughts on the movie itself, which people can either see in theaters if they're comfortable or see at home on HBO Max. Um, I watched it a couple nights ago. What what were kind of your thoughts? kind of right out of the gate after seeing it.
1: So um I definitely think it's in my opinion the best of the f- the four new ones that legendary okay. calling the Monsterverse. Yes. Um, <laughs> definitely the best of the Monsterverse movies. Um I thought that they did a really good job at well one giving us what we want which is lots mm-hmm. of monsters fighting and making those fight scenes look cool um take place in broad daylight so we can see the monsters fighting instead of trying very to,
0: important <laughs> know,
1: like you know um it had a little bit more of a sense of humor than some of the others did like you know we there's enough dark gritty blockbusters out there like i don't need that right. godzilla like i want godzilla to be you know <laughs> godzilla i mean as we all know started out pretty dark and gritty what with being a like, right. metaphor for nuclear destruction and all but you know nowadays i do like. I do appreciate a nice side of humor with my Godzilla. So um, I thought they did a good job of that. I was underwhelmed by just the script in general. I know that sounds like a weird thing to say about a monster movie Mm because, you know, to watch monsters fight. But I just felt like the human characters were really boring. Um, There was just no reason for me to be invested in them at all. We didn't know anything about them, apart from the fact that they had sort of all been brought together to, you know, hang out with monsters. Right. Um, they were just it, the scenes in particular with uh, Millie Bobby Brown and uh, Brian Tyree Henry trying to uncover conspiracies. I just every time they were on screen, I was like, I don't care about this. Like, I really don't. And like not to provide spoilers, but when they finally do uncover a conspiracy, like it is a pretty fucking cool one. Like, you know, I was like, well, at least, you know, they delivered on that front. But I right. just it was just they, they just every time they were on screen, I was like, why am I not watching Kong break a building in half? like I don't understand
0: yeah I think this is (laughs) I think this is a movie that needs to be sort of viewed in a um in a particular mindset maybe this isn't the most professional way that I watched it but on Wednesday night you know I fired it up on my HBO max and you know had a a couple of cocktails on hand had a big basket of French fries from one of the local restaurants that I get takeout from, nice. and sort of zoomed it with one of my friends from college, and us kind of like actively running commentary on it, and having some drinks, and just having a good time. And I probably like agree with everything you say. Of I do not know that like if a person stopped me on the street, I would necessarily say this is this is a good movie, quote unquote. But right. I I I got a. I got a certain amount of enjoyment out of it, even in sort of the parts of it that are actively bad, especially with the human stuff. This is weirdly like, we're going to get into a bigger conversation about the history of these two characters on screen. Um, This kind of felt like of all these more recent Godzilla movies, like the most in tone and in keeping with kind of like most of those like classic Kaiju Godzilla yeah. movies and uh, I'm just sort of like thinking back as a kid really only being interested in the monster fights and I probably could not tell you the plot of any of those movies <laughs> or like even in those movies and in this movie like the actual mechanics and story going on with the human characters even seems to be an afterthought for the movie and oh, yeah. real, the moments where it, it sort of comes alive or in this kind of like big extravagant battle royale sequences so take take that with uh with what you will listeners of i you know i think if you're going into this of like i want to see big monkey punch big lizard in the mouth um you're probably going to get your money's worth but maybe you know like check check your expectations a little bit and um yeah i i I think that kind of sums up sort of what i i enjoyed the experience of watching it even if i'm sort of like i'm afterwards i was like was that good and like what happened in that movie but also like
1: fun fun time. Yeah, for sure. It's funny cuz you talk about, you know, your experience watching it. Um I also watched it at home on HBO Max, so I kind of just like sat down in the middle of an afternoon and watched it. Right. And while I was watching, I was thinking to myself, you know, one, I wish I was seeing this on a big screen. Mhm. Two, I wish I was seeing this on a big screen at a place like Alamo Draft House where yes. I would be in a theater full of, you know, a ton of other people. I'd probably have an alcoholic beverage. Everyone else would probably also have alcoholic beverages. You know, you're having your like, you know, fun movie meal, food, snacks. Right. Um, And it just, it's one of those movies that you're like, this should be a cinematic experience. Like I should be experiencing this with other people who are all going into it with the same mindset as me. And I do think that watching it at home by myself, like that did affect my enjoyment of the movie. I mean, I still like I said enjoyed it in a lot of ways, but I think mm-hmm. aspects of it that I found the weakest, I would have would have bothered me less if I had been watching it in that kind of scenario, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, definitely. It's it's a great um I don't know. I I feel like it's a it's a great kind of like you don't have to engage with it that much and you probably shouldn't engage with it yeah. that much. Um I feel like the more I've sort of tried to like sit and think about it, the the like less I've been it it is held up in my um memory. But it is a kind of like great experience movie of like if you want to get like a couple friends together and watch it and kind of like cheer at the big destructive battle sequences, but also kind of laugh when people like Rebecca Hall say things like Kong bows to no one in a very like unironic way. It it is it is a kind of a great quote unquote kind of like good bad movie experience to have yeah sort of where I'm getting at.
1: I think I think that's exactly how I would think of it as well. It's funny because you know, I remember one time, you know, I've back before there was a pandemic, you know, and you could be indoors of other people without worrying about getting a deadly disease from them. Mm-hmm. I would like my friends over for movie nights a lot. Like we went through the whole James Bond franchise. Um people would come over, we'd get a pizza, we'd make drinks, we'd laugh our way through James Bond and do commentary. A couple of the old Godzilla movies as well. I remember one time all of my friends came over and we had a Ghidorah King of the monsters on, which is just like, you know, just nonstop fun. Cause it's the first one of King Ghidorah. It's got Mothra. It's, you know, it's just, it's nonstop monster mayhem. Um, and yeah, these are just really good movies to watch with other people, um, and to laugh at and to get excited over and to clap when, like you said, big monkey punch, big lizard. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a weird movie to be watching, you know, in these pandemic times while not yet being able to have the experience I would like. Of course, you know, some people are going to the movies now. Right. I, I personally, I'm not comfortable yet. I'm supposed to get my first shot of the vaccine on Saturday. And I don't think I'll be comfortable in the movie theater until I'm fully vaccinated. Right. It, probably, probably, probably smart. <laughs> the first thing I go do, like, yes. I can't wait. Like, the countdown is on. Um... But yeah, this is definitely a movie that's meant, you know, for those kinds of times.
0: So let's maybe talk about kind of like the broader history of this char- these characters. You mentioned being a big Godzilla fan. I have very fond memories as a kid of going to the Blockbuster, which um, for all the children listening to this podcast, Blockbuster <laughs> used to be a place where we could go and physically check out movies almost like a library except you'd pay for it um but you know my dad would take me every saturday to the blockbuster and we'd rent a godzilla movie and watch it that saturday night and of course i was always impatient with whatever was going on with the humans and would like yeah. make him fast forward to the just the the mayhem monster battles um what's kind of like your relationship with this character on screen and what do you do you have a, a memory of the first time you saw a godzilla movie
1: hmm. it's hard to say when i first saw a godzilla movie because to be quite honest it was probably like the 90s one with like matthew broderick um which i believe came out when, <laughs> yeah which i believe came out when i was like 10 or so and like i don't really necessarily have fond memories of that one like i know it happened but like i don't you know I don't think back. It's not one I revisit with nostalgia. We'll put it that way. Um, I'm a big fan of all the uh, the Showa era Godzilla Mm. movies. Um, I just, you know, I love seeing Godzilla as a rubber suit. I can't help it. I just think that, you know, that Godzilla is super endearing. Um, My favorite Godzilla movies are the ones where they had just started to um, do the transition from Godzilla being the bad guy to him kind of starting to be... You know, more of a savior of humanity instead of the one yeah. t- humanity. Uh, like my favorite one is probably Mothra versus Godzilla because I just love Mothra. Also, um,
0: one of my favorites as from when I saw these as as a kid. I was I was trying to like wrap my mind around as you know I was planning out this episode. Like, so what are the ones that like I remember? Because there are some where I know like I I think I've seen this. but There's also like five or six that have like Ghidorah in them, but I do yeah. distinctively remember um mothra versus godzilla as a kid
1: yeah mothra versus godzilla and king kong versus godzilla i think are both great um mm-hmm. they're both you know two of the early ones that were but they, where they're first starting to introduce some more of the comic elements but it's not too silly right uh, original king kong versus godzilla you know it um it incorporates some really funny satire of um television and advertising like it's all like the whole movie revolves around like a pharmaceutical company being like i'm gonna go to skull island and get king kong Mm -hmm. so tim to like sell pharmaceuticals on television (laughs) during this tv program we're sponsoring like it's it's insane um but it does a really good job you know at mixing that kind of uh like sort of snarky over the top uh comedy with you know monsters fighting um and so I really, I really appreciate the ones from that era. Um, I feel like once Ghidorah got involved, you know, they made a couple of Ghidorah that are really good um, in the mid '60s, like uh, Ghidorah King of the Monsters and Invasion of Astro Monster. And after that, they start to get like a little wacky. They start mm-hmm. to like other monsters where I'm like, eh, do I really care about uh, the sea monster from the ocean? Do I care about Godzilla's, like you know? Kid who basically looked like you know the predecessor of Barney, like he's just so goofy looking I mean they're fall fun to watch, but I feel like that's not you know peak Godzilla um I'd say the ones the earlier ones are the ones that I look back on the most fondly
0: yeah, um, it's actually interesting, like I saw so many from that showa era as a kid, but it actually probably wasn't until I was in college that I saw the original Gojira, the
1: Yeah, original
0: 1950s um Godzilla movie and that movie is very serious and very very dark and very somber um you know there there is an American kind of recut of it that has an American journalist character kind of awkwardly placed into the movie and sort of narrating it and I had seen bits and pieces of that as a kid but even that is so tonally different than kind of where this monster started and is one of the more impressive like movie allegories of you know you are watching a country kind of grapple with this horrible thing that happened to them and th- this sort of like traumatic event in their history with the nuclear bomb the atom bombs going off there during world war ii and it, it is a a very like straight face movie about the terror of nuclear destruction right and it features
1: takashi shimura who like you know was in like god how many kurosawa movies like you know one of the great actors from like 20th century cinema is like you know a very serious scientist in this monster movie which you know it just adds extra gravitas to proceedings i feel like original godzilla fits in more with just post-war japanese cinema as a whole Mm -hmm of like the sort of monster movie tradition um i just feel like you know japan grappling both with its role in the war slash the post-war environment and also the horror of having the atomic bomb dropped on them there's just a lot of great movies that came out of that that were just sort of like influenced by that trauma and sort of reckoning with it and godzilla just you know fit in so well with that tradition, which is why it is funny to me that Ishiro Honda then directed so many of the later, like, you know, sillier ones, too. Like, you know, Mm. he made this, like, really dark, you know, masterpiece of, like, you know, post-war horror featuring a monster, and then he sort of, you know, wheeled around and was like, I'm going to have a little more fun with it, you know? I mean, I respect it.
0: (laughs) So there's kind of different eras of Godzilla movies that I, I wonder if, as a fan, you could maybe kind of, like, break down for us um kind of what these different eras are and kind of what they signify obviously kind of the big one that we've talked about thus far is the showa era which are kind of kind of lasts from the mid 50s with the first godzilla to kind of the mid 70s and that's kind of the the sort of most iconic period of these movies i would say um if you're really looking to dive into these um there is kind of the criterion collection put out like a pretty extensive box set of like all of these movies a couple of years ago that I would recommend anyone just dying to go through all of them to get their hands on that. But what explain for us kind of like what sort of the, the tonal changes are kind of between the different series.
1: It's hard for me for the ones that are in like, you know, the eighties because I'm a less mm-hmm. with that era. I think it's, I believe it's the high side Uh, yeah i'm less familiar with those um and so that's sort of like my blind spot with godzilla and then i'm more familiar than with some of the later ones of which i feel like the one of the better known and best ones is shin godzilla um
0: yes that's like the most recent one i believe right and
1: i think it's the most recent like live action japanese one and it's really good and it definitely brings Godzilla back to the um to sort of the darker roots um and it's it's you know deals a lot with like the ineptitude of government bureaucracy and like international relations
0: it's kind of veep meets godzilla like it's actually like a a pretty like poignant critique of just yeah. like government bureaucrats being unable to kind of like help the the citizens of their country during a terrible disaster um maybe awkwardly uh poignant during this last <laughs> during this last year now but um yeah i i've not seen that one but i've been told by a lot of people that, that
1: right yeah it's very good one the, is very good the creature design in that one is really good um he's just like he's legitimately he's like a big bulky legitimately kind of terrifying looking monster they also show him in the bright light of day a lot which like i said i, I appreciate um and I believe it was, I believe, though, I mean, some people are probably better versions. But I believe it's part of it is like, you know, a commentary on the, nu- the Fukushima nuclear disaster that had happened mm-hmm. um, and the way the government handled that. So, you know, it's, you know, once again, the sort of specter of uh, nuclear tragedy. This is always seems to be somehow tied to Godzilla in some way.
0: Yeah, so I got, I got, uh, went to a Godzilla Wikipedia page to kind of get the, the dates on these. But so the Showa era, which we mentioned kind of mid 50s through mid 70s. And then there's the Heisa era, which is kind of mid 80s through mid 90s. I do kind of like going down the titles of some of these, remember seeing some of these as a kid. Yeah. Um, if only because they were kind of like coming out when th- these would have been the ones that were more coming out when I was young. And, They're, they're, I think, a lot more serious. I think trying to bring... Obviously, there's tons of big monster battles and stuff, but I think trying to bring the series back to a more um, serious in tone than how the Showa era got a little bit more kid-friendly, I would say. Um, And then there's kind of a brief period where there's no Godzilla movies being made. There is the Roland Emmerich American Godzilla yes. movie from the late 90s with Matthew Broderick. Probably the less said the better. A movie I remember being like a huge event when I was a kid. It just like that was inescapable. And seeing as a kid, but then also like revisited that movie on TV like a couple of years ago. Would would not recommend. Would yeah. Would say one of the weird experiences of like, Oh, this is actually worse than what I thought as a kid. I feel like the
1: 90s Godzilla is the equivalent of the 70s King Kong and that people just Mm. kind of pretend that they didn't happen.
0: Yeah. Um, And then so there's the Millennium series, which is kind of in the early 2000s and um, Toho Studios sort of like bringing Godzilla back to the kind of mainstream Japanese culture. And then now we have this new batch of American Godzilla movies with this monster verse, um, which included Gareth Edwards 2014 Godzilla movie, um, which I rewatched the other day, I think is okay. I think, you know, the, the sequences of monster destruction in there, I think are really thoughtfully realized. And I think one of the cool things about that movie is Gareth Edwards, I think has such a great understanding of, scale and awe mm-hmm. and you know we see so many blockbusters each year that have giant american cities just getting like pummeled to rubble and i I do think there's something unique about how edwards kind of visualizes that movie and it 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 feels pretty close to kind of like a spielbergian way yeah. sort of construction constructing set pieces maybe the bad part of the sort of um, Spielberg comparison is like, if you're going to do the whole jaws thing of like slowly revealing the monster until the very end, I think you got to kind of got, you got to make your human characters a bit more interesting. I think that's where that movie sort right. of falls short. Um, and then the two others were Kong skull Island, which maybe we can get to when we kind of transition to King Kong. Yeah. And then Godzilla King of the monsters, which I don't know how you feel. I think it's a pretty awful movie and kind of yeah. dull to watch when I, when I <laughs> I'm turn not it a on. fan. <laughs> no. Makes the awkward decision that you kind of hinted at earlier of let's have giant kaiju monster battles but completely shroud them in like rain and snow and fog and volcanic ash to the point right. when like you kind of can't tell what's going on and it just sort of looks like a giant light show essentially.
1: Yeah. Like I watched that movie on a plane, like being like, Oh, this would be a nice distraction from the fact that I'm on a plane. Mm-hmm. And it just annoyed me. Um, yeah. There's, you know, you, you introduce all of the most legendary monsters from, you know, you know, Godzilla's, you know, lengthy list of frenemies. And then mm-hmm. you them in a way that is just not pleasing to anyone. Uh, my favorite thing about that movie was the fact that the final showdown took place in Fenway Park just because I hate the Red Sox. And so watching oh, wow. <laughs> Destroyed was was amusing for me personally. Um, very,
0: very similar to in Godzilla vs. Kong. I was born in Pensacola, Florida, and there <laughs> is an opening sequence on here where there's like a Tesla-esque like robotics company that's just like set up there and i like immediately when i was like zooming with my friend was just like that nothing like that exists or there's not even like room to put something like that in pensacola (laughs) like like, that just seemed like such a strange like funny choice like having grown up there um that i had to point it out yeah
1: that is funny
0: So, so would you say like i know we kind of touched on mothra versus godzilla and the original king kong versus godzilla would you say those are kind of if if you were going to give out any recommendations on your favorite of the plethora of different Godzilla movies out there, would those, would you say those are kind of your favorites?
1: Yeah, those are definitely my favorites. Um, yeah, 2014 Godzilla. You know, I liked it when I saw it. I remember it was one. It was probably my most anticipated movie that year. I was so excited to see Godzilla on a big screen like that. And then you know, the whole movie, you're kind of just like waiting for Godzilla to show up. Right. <laughs> and, I didn't really have a problem with it at the time just because I mean, I do feel like the film did build suspense pretty well. You know, Brian Cranston was there doing Brian Cranston things, which helped. Then they killed him off woefully early, which did not help. And then you spend the right. rest of it kind of just being, there's a gap in which Brian Cranston exits and you're waiting for Godzilla to like really enter where you're just like, why am I here? Um, if
0: that if whole movie had been, i I'm sure he's a nice person, but Brian Cranston instead of Aaron Taylor Johnson for the rest of that movie. Oh, that, yeah. that might have sold me a little bit better. I'm I'm sorry that I just don't find Aaron Taylor Johnson interesting as a performer. I
1: like him in other movies, but not that one. That one I thought he was very bland. And honestly, I mean Elizabeth Olsen is like the female lead in that one, which was also weird after watching, you know, you watched him play siblings in Avengers and then you're like, Oh, and now they're married in this one? Okay, cool. Um
0: very true. that did not cross my mind yeah it's weird
1: but uh they're both i just feel like not the top of their game in that movie you know some some people know how to hold their own in like a big like you know well i mean to be fair i mean i guess they've held their own in the well avengers movies okay kind of but Mm -hmm. some actors are better suited for you know making the transition from like you know indies (laughs) to right big monster movies and like you know like someone like Brian Cranston he has like the chops that's like and the charisma that you can watch he's, Godzilla he's hamming and you're it like, up all too. right, this is cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> he's hamming it up. He's having fun in that movie when I rewatched it the other day. Yeah. It's just like this guy's like on the right the right tone and he's got like a weird wig on because yeah literally like he, was shooting he knows it at the where same time he is and what Bad, he's doing. Yeah. Like transition-
1: I feel like he knew where he is and what he was doing uh ken watanabe knows where he is and what he's doing very true stuff like you know let them fight and whatever like he's having a grand old time uh some of the younger actors i feel like are still taking themselves a little too seriously
0: (laughs) well let's transition to talking about king kong a little bit because he's kind of the other big focal point of this movie um i don't know about you the original 1933 king kong like one of my three or four favorite movies as a kid. I mean, oh, yeah. a movie, a movie I watched constantly, I would say along with star Wars, one of the first movies that I became obsessed with for sort of the, the outside production of the movie. And like sure. one of the, one of the first movies that I remember being really into, like, so how did they make this and just yes. like buying books and like watching behind the scenes stuff obsessively of like, There's something I think, even though the effects in that movie, I would not say are convincing. There is something so magical and so kind of wondrous about all of those stop motion effects and kind of uh, big backdrops and sort of models that they built for that movie that I, I think when you're just a kid and you're seeing that for the first time, even though you're like, that's, that's clearly like a puppet or something, That's not a real gorilla. There there still is something so magical and transportive about that movie. And I would encourage any of our listeners, because he's been a guest on this show before, Josh Martin, who also occasionally writes for Film Inquiry, his podcast series, Revisiting the Golden Age. They did a great episode on the 30s King Kong movie. And I think talking about, you know, some of the idea is about, just as Godzilla is about the fear of nuclear destruction, King Kong is just as much about american colonialism and white colonialism and there are some aspects of that movie that with some of the sort of racial depictions of like people on the island that maybe have not aged well but there there still is i think a lot to get out of that first movie and especially if you're I, I don't know if you're seeing it as a kid for the first time, it was just so transporting and just like one of my favorite movie experiences to have. yeah,
1: I definitely agree with you. It's definitely one of those movies that when you watch it for the first time, you're just amazed at how they did that, especially knowing how long ago it was made right um you know I sort of I kind of always think of King Kong hand in hand with the Lord of the Rings movies because the Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. movies were the movies that really made me want to go to film school and study movie making and get more engaged with movies in depth because those movies just blew my mind thinking about, you know, like the world building and the storytelling and how they did all that. So like, you know, it makes sense. The original King Kong was such a huge influence on Peter Jackson, becoming a movie maker and getting into making creature effects to the point that he then did his own remake of Godzilla, not Godzilla, King Kong. Yes. Um, and yeah, I can, it's just you watching it, you just understand why that has, it's cast a spell on movie audiences for decades and decades. It just, it's fascinating. Um, I'm definitely, yeah, and, definitely a big fan.
0: Yeah, and obviously that movie gets its own sequel. I have not seen Son of King Kong, which I guess is the, comes out like, I think a year later. Um, yeah, they
1: rushed it out. I haven't seen it yet either, but I've been meaning to, because I'm like, there's no way it can be, you know what I mean? Like, I feel right. like it's to be a letdown, but I'm intrigued to see how it's a letdown.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then, obviously, in the 60s, Kong gets brought over to Japan and is in a couple big monster movies there, including Facing Off Against Godzilla. Uh, there's the, you mentioned the Dilo De Laurentiis 70s Kong remake. I remember seeing it as a kid. It, it stars Jessica Lange and Jeff Bridges. Yeah, I remember it kind of igniting a Jessica Lange crush on, well, on yeah. me as a kid. But I, don't, I honestly don't remember liking it quite as much. Maybe it has to do with there's no dinosaurs in that movie, and I was yeah. obsessed with dinosaurs as a kid. But um, I don't know. Have you seen that remake recently?
1: I've not seen it recently. I've seen uh, I've seen parts of it. Um, and it's not. Yeah. I understand why one would come out of it being into Jessica Lange. She's, I mean, I feel like, you know, one of the primary assets of the film. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's, um, yeah, I haven't revisited that one in a while for, for good reason. Very, Uh,
0: very unusually from what I remember, like trying to sort of charge headfirst into the, the culture of the mid seventies. Like, I feel like I remember a huge part of that plot is about like searching for oil because there's the whole like (laughs) gas crisis going on where (laughs) at the time of this movie coming out and the world trade center had just been built so kong is climbing the twin towers instead of the empire state building and there's a lot of like very unusual signifiers in that movie of like them trying to actively charge headfirst into like headline stuff that was going on at the time um and that movie also got a sequel in the 80s. I forget what I think it's called King Kong Escapes. <laughs> um have not seen that. It sounds very very bad. I think it's kind of hard to find. Um and then you mentioned Peter Jackson's remake in 2005 um another kind of like the late 90s Godzilla movies. I about the most hyped for a movie I think I was as a kid was the Peter Jackson King Kong of just like obsessively like had it marked on my calendar was just would just like ask my parents all the time like is it out yet is that <laughs> can we go see it it's out what why what are we doing what it, at what time is it it's 10 a.m we gotta go we gotta go see the king kong movie um do you like that but ver- i feel like that version is very divisive amongst people it is I,
1: very I, divisive yeah
0: I, I i quite like it even though i understand that it is sort of like Incredibly bloated and doesn't need yes. to be over three hours, but yeah I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on a similar page. yeah, yeah,
1: I'm on a similar page to you. I mean, I was really anticipating it because I really have always loved Peter Well, I love Peter Jackson, like mm-hmm. he just he knows how to do spectacle um, in a way that you know, in the Lord of the Rings movies, he did really well by not letting the spectacle distract from like the heart of the story, right mm-hmm. So when you're drawing from like you know the Lord of the Rings as a story. And uh, I mean, King Kong has a good heart to the story, too. And I feel like he did a good job at, um, you know, highlighting that with uh, Kong and uh, and played by Naomi Watts. I thought she uh, I thought she was really good in it. Um, I thought all the actors in it were really good. Adrian Brody, Jack Black. Yeah. Like you said, it is bloated. It's got a little bit of that syndrome that all of Peter Jackson's post Lord of the Rings movies have where it's like he's no longer quite sure where to stop um yes <laughs> and um and as and you can also see in that movie that he you know was such a childhood fan of the original that you know he lets himself get carried away like with like you know in all the different monsters that he can like shove into the movie because this is his chance to do that for himself um yes but i do think overall it is a good movie i think it's better than a lot of people give it credit for i do think i've seen a lot of people recently on twitter i feel like kind of revisiting it and saying more positive things about it. I think because, um, it is one of those ways you can just sit down. Yeah. It's too long, but you can sit down for an evening. You can revisit it. There's adventure, there's romance. It's just, you know, it's a solid old fashioned blockbuster, which like, I don't know, even that was 2005. It wasn't that long ago, but I feel like blockbusters have already changed so much since then. Um, They're like, you know, I wouldn't call Peter Jackson's King Kong gritty. You know what I mean? Like it's trying to embrace this sort of like old Hollywood, you know, heart and, you know, a little bit of the corniness. And I feel like um, movies don't do that so much anymore to big mm blockbuster, I feel like for a lot of people revisiting it, it kind of feels refreshing in a way.
0: It's, it's very earnest from what I remember. Like, like it's very clear. And this is also something that I think people have, thrown out as a criticism of it which i i understand which is he is clearly such a huge fan of the 30s kong that essentially this version is you know with the addition of maybe like five or six extra subplots that are not needed is essentially recreate the 1930s kong but with all the kind of bells and whistles of modern day movie making and I, I I understand just sort of like he's not really bringing anything new to the table with it, yeah. and it but it, th- there is an aspect of it that is this very kind of earnest, loving act of recreation yeah. on his part, um, which I think does kind of fit into why that movie is so long Is I think he's just like so dazzled with the idea of recreating this older movie yeah. with all this like expensive technology that he just like he's like i can't hold back i gotta keep like doing more right. and more because i'm just sort of enjoying it's like a love and it's a love
1: letter he can't bring himself to sign off on he's like no right it's
0: perfect. I, gotta, perfect I gotta i
1: gotta i gotta keep going um but but i do but i do like it i do have yes. i do have a fondness for it
0: so what do you think of the 2017 kong skull island that kind of introduce this new i guess monster verse version of kong another movie i feel like is kind of divisive i'm not personally a, a fan of it but i'm curious to hear what you think
1: um i liked it all right um i remember i took myself to see that in theaters on my birthday um it came out around that time and um it was a good way to spend one's birthday <laughs> you know like, yeah. to, just, like, <laughs> to just like hang out um I went to like I went to the local Alamo Draft House, not to you know keep sounding like I'm doing promotion for them, but um like you know I treated it's a, myself. It's
0: a great chain. We we will, I yes. have no regrets on supporting our great local movie theater chain.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but like I you know I took myself out. I like in the middle of the afternoon when there was like not a lot of people there. I had a milkshake. I you know, it was it was a solid experience in that regard. Um. I mean, I don't think it's as good as the Peter Jackson Kong or obviously the 1933
0: original. I think my issue with it was just a a little bit of sort of what other people say is their issue with the Peter Jackson one. Is that movie just really feeling overstuffed to me? And when I rewatched it the other day, just had a feeling of like, I don't quite think this movie knows what it wants to be. And yeah, like what, that actually what is pretty apt. Yeah. To, it feels like three or four different like King Kong scripts that have just sort of been kind of like Frankenstein into one another. And it's like, wait, so this is about like the scientists are going to the island, but there's also like these Vietnam soldiers, and the movie's trying to be apocalypse now. But then like there's the Brie yeah. Larson character, and then wait, there's like a stowaway guy who's been like, you know, John C. Riley doing like humorous yeah. castaway on it. And there's parts of the movie that are really, like, kind of winking and over the top, but then stuff that's, like, really, like, over the top and gross and kind of, like, a little gory in places. Yeah. And it just sort of feels like this, like, weird hodgepodge of just sort of, like, we have, like, five or six ideas, but we don't really know that are kind of all different tones and stuff, and we don't really know what to do, so just sort of, like, wing it. And that's kind of the movie we get
1: yeah, if it's like it's like a solid diversion of a movie, but it's not something that I like, you know. Look back on feeling like, oh, I need to revisit that. Like, oh yeah, that was so great. Um, I Remember the cat? Like the cast is really good once again. Like they really managed to, you know, get some actors to take uh, some good paychecks uh, for these movies. So you know, power. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah, it's um. It's weird. I um, I heard I was recently when I was like you know reading some stuff about the production of Godzilla versus Kong that apparently there had been talk originally of doing a sequel to Peter Jackson's Kong. Interesting. Yeah, um, and uh, instead, like Peter Jackson wasn't going to do it, I don't think. Um, but I think that the director of Godzilla versus Kong, uh, Adam Wingard, might have been briefly at yeah. that, which is one reason why they got him involved to do this one but um it,
0: interesting though having him for this one of like i don't know how many of his other movies you've seen this is not the kind of movie i would have imagined him making like right six or yeah, seven years like, ago like he he's kind of like came out of that kind of like indie horror the kind of like mumble horror movement yeah with movies like you're next and the guest which i really loved and has like yeah a great dan stevens performance and he did like a Blair Witch sequel and I, I think since then he's kind of like tried to sort of spread his wings and stuff but giant blockbuster monster movie was like I I would have never imagined that that would have been like a lane he would have gone in
1: right I feel like that's something that's becoming increasingly common though like these guys like cut their teeth doing like cool indie horror stuff mm-hmm. and they um they get enough street cred to go do some like, you know, big blockbuster that's worth a shitload of money. And then they're able to parlay that into doing, you know, something else. Like I heard his next project is like a remake of face off, which strikes me as the kind of thing that's like, he probably was like, I want to remake face off. If they let me do Godzilla versus Kong, I can remake face off. Why? It's like, it's like the safety brothers making a movie of Adam Sandler. And now they're going to like fucking remake, uh, like, what is it? 24 hours or something? Cause it's oh, like, Oh,
0: they were going to be doing 48 out remaking 48 hours. Yeah. Although I, th- I think they said that they like ended up passing on that for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel um, like
1: a lot of these, like, you know, people who do like interesting stuff sort of end up, you know, taking that road. Cause you know, it pays the money.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> helps, helps finance your, your next more idiosyncratic project. Right. I guess. Um, do you have any kind of like last thoughts on Godzilla on Kong on the MonsterVerse, giant kaiju movies before we kind of wrap things up?
1: Well, I would say that my final thought on the MonsterVerse would be that I didn't realize until I was looking at Wikipedia that supposedly, you know, they had to license, you know, these creatures from Toho to make these Godzilla movies. Mm-hmm. Contract with Toho is up. Like it was up in 2020 and they sort of, you know, the pandemic happened. And so this movie got delayed, so, like, I don't know if they're going to make any more movies for this MonsterVerse. And to be fair, this one sort of ends it on a note where it's like you don't necessarily, you know, it ends it on a pretty resolute note. There's no, like, fun credit stinger that, like, you know, takes, right. like, another installment. And honestly, to be quite honest, I'm fine with that. Like, <laughs> like these, these movies have been fine, right? Like, you right. know, introduce, you know, a new generation of people to these classic monsters. They're good cinematic you know eye candy they're you know fun to watch with your friends but we know now what this take on the monsters is i'd rather right. you take a break for a bit and then we'll see who a different group of people on a different studio and different filmmakers can do with these monsters um right. i think that we don't need really any more from you know from this universe uh,
0: i would probably agree with that I'm fascinated by someone doing something with these characters, kind of like what I hear the Shin Godzilla movie is, which is, you know, doing kind of the more kind of auteur take on it, maybe kind of bring things back to, um, you know, these series roots. Um, Even something like, you know, I was just trying to think of some of my favorite giant monster movies, something like Bong Joon-ho's The Host, Mm -hmm. which is this like, incredible insane thrill ride and is you know what it's actually i was thinking about this the other day as i was re-watching the gareth edwards godzilla movie i was like this is what that movie should be like that the movie totally lands the the dynamic of like when the monster shows up it is this crazy thrill ride and it is really scary and when it's not there you have these really incredible like fleshed out characters and this like incredible cast that can kind of carry you through and get you invested in the drama of like what's happening to this family that's trying to kind of stay together in the midst of this like giant monster attack on their city. So I would love to see someone do something like that with either Godzilla or with King Kong kind of in the next several years. Right. If I love the host. It's
1: such a good movie.
0: Yeah. Incredible movie.
1: It's so good at balancing, like you said, um, It's, it can be very scary and very heartbreaking, but it also has a lot of that Bong Joon-ho, like, dark humor.
0: Yes, it's very funny. Like, it is very
1: funny. Like, there's a scene where, like, the family, when they first think that the daughter has died, and they're, like, at, like, the sort of, like, hall, like, for mourning, and they're, like, all falling over each other, and it's, like, physical comedy, and, like, a scene of great grief. I'm, like, only Bong Joon-ho can have a plan. But... What you said about the central characters, I feel like it's just a big problem that we have of these monster movies from Legendary. The central characters and the hosts you really care about and you're invested in them. They're also a family. So for the most like for, for the most part. So like you right. are, oh, they already are invested in each other and are already connected to each other before the monster shows up. And I feel like that's what was good about the character relationships in a lot of the older Godzilla movies as well. There was a lot of stuff where it was like, siblings and like a girl and her boyfriend and like, you know, these monsters happen in these movies. I feel like, especially in this most recent one in Godzilla versus Kong, it's like a bunch of characters who don't already know each other, but are brought together because of the monsters. And it's like,
0: right. They have no
1: reason to like care about each other. And we also have no reason then to care about them. You know what I mean? Like Alexander Skarsgård and Rebecca Hall come together just to do this mission and the whole movie, it's like they don't really interact with each other apart from the mission. They don't. It's not like they even really become friends. They're kind of just there. And it's like, okay, you don't care about each other. I don't care about you either. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I feel like that's just the element that's really missing from those movies.
0: Yeah. The, the I was thinking about the other day how the the human characters in this movie really only exist as as sort of ways to kind of engineer these just circumstances for godzilla yeah. and kong to kind of like run into each other like they they literally are just sort of like cogs in a wheel to kind of like get the, the in sort of like if you're thinking about it from a screenwriting perspective of like all right how do i get this big monster and this big monster into the same location or something yeah and then exactly. like even even the script in the movie seems totally uninterested in kind of like giving you any reason to care about these people the people are just sort of there to kind of like move pieces around on a board so that you can get kind of the big yeah rock'em sock'em battle sequences well lee thank you so much for being on this week's episode and uh discussing kong godzilla giant monsters the works with us
1: of course thank you for having me